Good morning. It is good to be here. Again, my name is uh, Dave, and uh, let me just introduce myself real quickly to you, and then we're going to jump right into uh, uh, the scripture. Um, I've been married almost 14 years uh, to my wife, Jenny. We uh, are going to celebrate our 14th anniversary in December. We have three kids. Uh, We have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 4-year-old. And we've actually been uh, coming here for uh, a few weeks now, and I just want to actually say uh, thank you to all the people that volunteer. Uh, maybe some of you can remember what it's like the first time you visit a church. Uh, you, you got a little bit of butterflies in your stomach, and especially if you have kids, uh, you don't exactly know, uh, are they going to be safe? Are they going to have fun? Are they going to meet friends? What's it going to be like for them? And I, I just want to compliment uh, you guys because it really has been an incredible thing for us to just even the signage, to know where to go, uh, to the people that greet us at the door, how helpful the, the kids volunteers have been. Uh, we've really enjoyed also just being in here with the music, and, and we've been able to put a lot of even stuff that uh, Pastor Ben has talked about in his sermons uh, into our family. And also, I want to also compliment you on the fact of your your choice in ice, that, that ice machine you have. Honestly, really, the, the, that crumbled ice. Man, thank you so much for that. Um, but anyway, so uh, uh, Ben asked me to uh, just speak on something that God has been teaching me. And, and first off, it, I just want to say this. If, if you're not a regular church attender, or you wouldn't necessarily call yourself uh, a follower of Jesus, uh, maybe that phrase, uh, something that, that God has been teaching you, it sounds kind of foreign it sounds like this is not something you would say. It, it is some, something your friends wouldn't say. And it, just, it actually just sounds uh, kind of weird, uh, the fact that, that, that God would be um, <clears throat> someone who would actually be personally teaching someone something. And, and, I, and the thought kind of uh, goes like this, that that's more out in the culture. And I, I certainly used to believe this. Um, it's kind of the idea is it's okay to believe in God, it's okay to believe in God, but uh, you really shouldn't take it too seriously. I, I, you know, you might believe in God, and, and you might believe that he, he created everything, but man, if he gets really, really personal, um, then that's when uh, things get kind of kooky. Uh, it, you know, it, especially, it, it, can make you, uh, it can make you weird. Uh, it could even make you uh, make bad choices, right? It can start, start to make you make bad choices with your wallet, Maybe uh, in your relationships, uh, it can make you make bad choices with your health. And, and, and in fact, you might even think, and, and a lot of us have thought at one time, including me, that it, it's actually really bad for society. That it's, it's okay for God at a dis- to believe in God at a distance, but if you were to, to bring him close, and then what, uh, what God would say would have a bearing on all different kinds of things for you personally and in society, that's when things uh, get a little bit weird, and, and that's not good. So, so it's the idea of it, it's good to keep God at a distance and not to have God up close. Now, the Bible presents a very, very different picture. In, in fact, the, the Bible would say it's just the opposite. The Bible is actually going to say that it's going to give you life to have God up close. But it, and it's actually you're going to experience uh, what the Bible would call death to have God at a distance. Now, not just physical death where you die 
and, and never come back. But the idea of uh, you know, unraveling, that you're going to experience uh, pain in relationships, you're going to experience some you know, you know, just bad things, not only in, just in society, but in your relationships, but also even with yourself. And you're just going to experience that loss that comes by having God at a distance. Now, like I said before, uh, I used to think that too. It was better to keep God at a dis- distance. It's okay to believe in God, but, but not to have him up close. But that has since changed for me. And I'll tell you ultimately why that has changed. And it's basically, it basically just goes like this. Let me just give you an illustration. When you ask the question, what am I made for? Or maybe you ask the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? You know, what, what am I in the world am I uh, made for? The Bible says that you are made to be close with God. You're made to be close with God. And because you're made to be close with God, that's when you are actually firing on all cylinders. That's when things are, you really are feel like, I am in my sweet spot. But, and, and we understand that with all things that are made, all things that are created. If you were to go across uh, Cox Road here, and we're going over to VOA Park, and you had a bicycle, uh, you would really, really enjoy riding around the bike path, right? You could gain some speed, you could feel the wind in your face, right? And, you know, you got a smooth ride, and it'd be good exercise. It's nice and flat, right? There's got maybe one little hill there that kind of ch- maybe challenges you, right? But you feel like this bike was made for a bike path, and I am having fun. I, I am fulfilling this bike's purpose, and it is good. But if you wanted to cross the lake on that bike, you would experience some unraveling, wouldn't you? You would experience some pain. You would experience some frustration. Why? Well, bikes are not made to go across the lake, right? That is not the purpose of a bike. And if you use the bike for something that's not its purpose, you're going to experience um, bad things. And the same thing. Uh, But if you really want to cross that lake, you would get a boat, right? And if you got a boat and you got some oars, uh, or actually even on that you know, that lake, you get a cardboard, you know, <laughs> you get a cardboard boat. Um, you can, uh, you know, you go across that boat and, and you're enjoying it, right? You're on the water and you're not going to sink. You're floating. You're thinking, I'm getting across it. This is great. This, that's what a boat is made for. But if you were to take that boat on the bike path, what would you experience? You would experience pain and frustration, right? Because you are going to go nowhere. That boat is not made for a bike path. Well, it would stand to reason then that if you were made for something, that when you are doing what you are made for, when you are living in what you are made for, you would be experiencing life. And you would be experiencing uh, blessing. You experience what you'd be experiencing what you were made for. But if you're actually uh, at cross purposes or not doing what you were made for, you would be experiencing pain and frustration. And see, the Bible says that we are made to be close to God. And when I am close to God, then I thrive. Uh, Psalm 1611 says uh, to us, says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. You ever heard the uh, phrase, the right hand man? That means just means closeness to God. In your presence, is fullness of joy. The Bible says that we are meant to be close to God, and when we experience closeness with God, then we are having joy. But 
if we are keeping God at a distance, it means then we also unravel. And do we see that? Do we see that when we keep God at a distance? Do we see anxiety? Do we see relational brokenness? Do you see societal structures that are not set up for human flourishing, but are actually set up to use people and not to help them? Do you see the pain that comes in this world from ourselves keeping God at a distance? Yeah, we do. That's why ultimately uh, I don't believe that anymore, that, that keeping God at a distance is what is good for us or good for the world. It's the exact opposite because of what we are made for. Now, <clears throat> the first time I ever experienced God up close, uh, I, I became a Christian when I was 16 years old. Uh, and I didn't grow up in a family that went to church very often. We went to cr- uh, church on Christmas and Easter. Uh, we were uh, cheesters, if you guys ever heard that phrase. Uh, so, you know, we were, we were cheesters. And, we, and I, I didn't know anything uh, about the Bible. I had three main influences on me that uh, helped me become a Christian. The first one was my atheist friend whose uh, dad made him go to youth group. And uh, he invited me to youth group. And I went with him, and there, for the very first time, I heard the Bible, and I heard what the Bible was all about. It was about Jesus, and it was very, very compelling to me. Uh, The second uh, reason is I started to date a girl who was a very, very strong Christian. And thank goodness for that youth group, I learned enough about the Bible to lie to her about what it meant to be a Christian so that she would date me, all right? And so, uh, and so uh, so we started to date, and I started to learn uh, a lot about Jesus. And actually, so near my 16th birthday, uh, in May, uh, I became a Christian. And uh, right after that then, too, <clears throat> uh, my girlfriend uh, did two things. She, uh, I can still actually remember this. Uh, she, she, I was over at her locker one day, and she said, um, I have something for you. And, and she was a gift giver. I, I don't know if some of you are gift givers. I'm not really a gift giver. Uh, and, uh, but, and she always, she would give me like flowers, right? And it would be so embarrassing. You know, you're like giving guys flowers is not, you know, I, for me at least, right? I was just like, oh yeah, thank you, you know, stuff in, the, in, the, in the, my backpack. Um, but she pulled out this little thing called Campus Journal. And she said, and it has a Bible verse that you read. And then you know, it has a little thought that's relevant to you. And she said, would you want to read this together? And I said, sure. And it kicked off for me how to read the Bible. And, she, and then also she introduced me to a guy who uh, was a little bit older than us, uh, who was also a strong Christian, knew a lot about the Bible. And she said, he is willing to, uh, to read the Bible with you and help you understand uh, what it means. And, and if you haven't been in church uh, uh, that's, we call that person a discipler. Uh, we, I don't, we don't use that phrase anyplace else. So anyway, it's kind of like a mentor, uh, a disciple. He's, he's willing to disciple you, okay? Uh, and I thought that was weird when I heard that for the very first time. I didn't know if I was supposed to put on a robe or what it, what it, all, what it all meant. But anyway, so, uh, so he was going to disciple me. Well, I really grew strong as a Christian um, because of a lot of those influences. And, uh, but, but actually, so my girlfriend... Uh, she was a year older. She was going to go to college. She's a year older than me, so she's going to go to college. And so we decided uh, in August, about this time actually, that uh, we were going to break up because uh, it just wasn't going to make sense really for us. Uh, I, just, I guess we, just, we were growing apart. And uh, we, before she went to college, that we decided to break up. Well, we broke up. And a week later, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, 
do you know that your ex-girlfriend is, is dating your discipler? <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't. Now, I'm not the uh, sharpest knife in the drawer, right? But it, does, it doesn't t- uh, take the smartest guy to understand that if you date somebody a week later, right, that, it, it, uh, that it, they just didn't have one week for their affections to grow for one another. And uh, I had found out, actually, I was away that summer at a summer camp, and I had found out that they had been spending a lot of time together uh, in the summer. Now, they didn't, they, uh, she didn't cheat on me, and he, she, he didn't make any... Uh, uh, inappropriate advances on her or anything like that, but they had just been, their, their affection for one another had been growing uh, throughout the summer. So, um, and so, of course, I was mad. Now, of course, we had broken up. There was no, I had obviously no right uh, to tell them that they couldn't date, but I was just hurt. I was angry. I didn't know that that, that was actually, I didn't know that was happening. Uh, and, and listen, now that I had learned the Bible, a lot about the Bible, not only was I mad because that happened, but I had Bible verses that I knew about why that was wrong, right? And so now I was like Rambo, man. I had great ammunition, right, from the Bible uh, to, to tell them why they were wrong. Well, uh, he, uh, he called me. He said, hey, I don't have time to talk. We call, uh, talk later tonight. This is on, on a weekend. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And I was mad, and, and I was just, uh, you know, I don't even know, I, I don't even know what I was praying about. I was just mad. Uh, and then I actually had a, a booklet near my Bible. Um, there was a book of quotes, and it was from Chicken Soup from the Soul. You guys remember Chicken Soup from the Soul? Uh, it was a book of quotes from Chicken, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I was flipping through the quote book. I don't know why. It was just, it was just there, really. And uh, probably a gift from my, my ex-girlfriend. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> uh, I opened it up, I read it, and one of the quotes said, Forgiveness is like setting a prisoner free and finding out the prisoner is you. And right after I read that quote, from head to toe, I felt this just peace come over me. This just supernatural peace. And there was joy, and it wasn't even a thought then for me to have to forgive them uh, or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he called me with fear and trepidation. And I said, hey, you, got, you guys have my blessing to date. You guys are a wonderful Christian couple. It's, you know, as far as me is concerned, don't even worry about it. Now, just a few hours, what had changed? Well, God came close. God came close. And that was the first time I was, I was conscious of the closeness of Jesus. Now, of course, we know that, that from the Bible that God is always close, right? God is always close. He's not sometimes close and sometimes far away. He's always close to us. Jesus says, I will be with you always. Uh, but our con- when we are conscious of God's closeness is often when we experience what that Psalm 1611 was talking about in his presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. And so, and I've actually noticed this too as a pastor, uh, and also now that I'm, I'm actually now, I'm not a pastor anymore, I'm in the marketplace full-time at a communications agency, and what I've noticed too is uh, if people are going to grow and thrive as a Christian believer, 
Often the one thing that you can point to a person who doesn't get everything right, doesn't mean they're perfect, it means that but when they're not perfect, they own up to it, that they have a hunger to learn more about God, they have a hunger to be with God uh, in prayer. When bad things happen to them, they, uh, they struggle, but they, they, they struggle to forgive. Uh, when people fail them, uh, they don't uh, haul off in bitterness and anger, and they don't stay in bitterness and anger, but they struggle with uh, being merciful. But why, and I, you know, you see some people who are, who can grow and, and move that way, but then you see other people then often who, who, who descend into that. And often what I have seen is one of the common denominators for folks that, who are, who really grow and really thrive in their relationship with God is that they have a growing sense of God up close of Jesus up close. And it's such an important part of what it means for us to walk with God, uh, to have God up close. Um, people who consciously know the closeness of Jesus. Now, I want, you, I want to make a quick distinction here too. We're not talking about the cuddling of Jesus, okay? I have never experienced the cuddling of Jesus, so we're not some, talking about something that's like overly sentimental here, right? You, you know, Jesus wants to give you a big bear hug, and you should, listen, I've never had a bear hug from Jesus. I don't think I would even want that, right? Um, I, I'm not even sure what that would be like, right? Uh, so, but we're not talking about something overly emotional, sentimental. We're talking about experiencing Jesus like you would a friend, like you would a good father, like you would a brother, like you would a teacher, to have that sense of his presence. I want to take you to a place today that's very familiar to many of you, uh, Psalm 23, and we're going to look at that, because this uh, psalm, this is a song, and if, it, if there is any psalm that would be on the Hebrew top uh, 40 charts, this would be number one, uh, you know, Christian bookstores would not be in business without Psalm 23. It's going to be very familiar to many of you. Um, But this uh, psalm illustrates what it's like for a person to have God up close. What it's like for a person to have God up close. And uh, let's let's just actually go ahead and read it. If you have your Bible, go ahead and take out your Bible and and, and turn to Psalm 23. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen here, and we're going to uh, read it through for you. Here we go. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for, your, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I, will dwell, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so let's take this again. This illustrates someone who is experiencing God up close. This is someone who's experiencing Jesus up close. And the first thing that he is experiencing here is rest in the face of unmet desires. So when you have God up close, to a degree, you're going to experience rest in the face of unmet desires. Now, the summer is a time of rest, isn't it? It's the time we go on vacation. 
But we know that oftentimes, even though our physical body can rest, that there's still a storm in our hearts. And why is that? Why is it that we can sit in the beach and see these, you know, the relaxing waves, but still have so much inner t- turmoil? Well, the Bible, and in other places, is going to describe what rest. Rest is something that is more than just bodily uh, uh, rest. It's, it's comfort for the soul. It's your soul at peace. And the reason why your soul is not at peace often is because of unmet desires. Unmet desires. Or those things that you feel like you just have to have. If I don't have this thing, then I will not have life. If I do not just have this thing, then life is not worth living. If I don't have this thing, then I'll be a nobody. If I don't have this thing, then no one will care. And, and, and that can be, and it's different for everybody, right? Uh, it could be respect. It'd be, it could be have the successful job. It could be um, God-bearing fruit in your life. It could be uh, that relationship. It could be a spouse, or it could be ha- uh, the right kind of spouse, or it could be kids, or the right kinds of kids, or it, or it could be control. I mean, it, it can be any kind of thing that you feel like, if I had this, then I would just be happy. If I just had that. And, and when you don't have those things, you feel anxious. You feel desperate. You feel like there is a, just this gaping void that you cannot fill. And it, and, it, and it brings about all this alienation in your life. Alienation from yourself. Alienation from others. Even the people that are closest to you. And what we see here from, from David in the psalm is that he sees that Jesus is guiding his whole life. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. Meaning then he is trusting in the leadership of God in his life everywhere he goes. Now, if you know anything about David's life, it would be hard to believe that God led him everywhere he goes. Because God did not lead David into the easiest of circumstances, right? He led him off into, into very bad circumstances, circumstances that make my bad uh, circumstances pale in comparison. I have never had a king throw a spear at me because I was a good musician, right? I've never had that king drive me into the wilderness because he wanted to kill me for doing right, right? Those are just a couple <laughs> of David's. But, but David trusts that Jesus is leading his life. And, he's, and, and, and listen, what, one of the things about David, what he knew because of God's leadership in his life and because of God's call on his life, he knew that he had nothing to prove. And isn't that often why we don't rest? Is because we feel like we have to lead our lives. We have to be in control of our lives. We have to prove our life in order for it to be good, in order for it to be valuable, in order for it to be important. We have to prove it. 
We have to do it. And God says here, through David, no, no, no. When you trust in his leadership, he leads your soul besides quiet waters, and he will restore it. He will lead you in right paths. Next thing. So not only do you see rest in the face of unmet desires, you're going to see, when you have God up close, comfort in the face of loss. Comfort in the face of loss. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You see, he's conscious of God up close. He's, he's, constant of Jesus, he's conscious of Jesus' closeness. Now, you probably have heard this verse at a funeral, and, which is fine, but it's actually a little bit unfortunate uh, because um, this is actually not talk, this psalm is really not for death. It's, you're, this psalm is for life. And someone who walks in the shadow of death uh, is not someone who is dead. If, you are, if, you're, um, if you're dead, you're walking in death, and you're not even walking, I guess, right? So, um, so, when, uh, so you're dead. So um, when you're walking in the shadow of death, it means, it means you're alive, but death is very real to you. Loss has come real. Now, we all know this at times where, where death, death is very unreal to us a lot of the time, right? It, it certainly is to me uh, a lot of the time. But there are times when death becomes very real. And when death becomes real, it is very, very unraveling. It's very, very painful. It is tough. And he says, when I walk in the shadow of death, when death comes real to me, you guys get that? He says, I don't fear evil. Um, and when he, when he says evil, he's, he's really talking about ultimate bad happening to him. Right? He's not talking about other forms of evil. He's just talking bad things. He says, for you are with me. Now, death can become real um, because, you know, someone you love might have died. Or you yourself maybe are physically ill and, and death is, uh, is, has become much more real to you. Or you could just um, be now struggling with the fear of death. I remember I didn't struggle too much with the fear of death until I had children. Uh, and I remember our, our first baby daughter, you know, our baby daughter, I was there holding her and, and just loving her so much. Is that, that like thing that happens, you parents in here, you know, when you have kids and you're just like, whoa, you're just like, your heart just is like sucked in, you know. And, uh, but I remember then starting to actually fear death a little bit because I, I, I remember thinking, what if this little baby that I love so much, what if they died? What if that, what would that mean for me? Or, or what if I died, you know, and, and, and this little girl had to grow up uh, without a father. And, and for about six weeks after the birth, I thought my wife was going to murder me anyway. So there was, some, there was a little bit about, uh, a little bit of death, fear of death there. But, uh, you know, you just begin to think about what would that actually mean? Uh, so you might, there might be the fear of death. Or <laughs> the fear of death can also, uh, or the death becoming real, can even just show up in, and, and things in your soul, in your heart, where you just say, man, I, I just haven't accomplished much in my life. You know, here I am, I'm, I'm 30, and I just haven't done anything. 
Here I am, I'm 40. Or you guys have heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. Have you guys heard of that? Fear. That's also the fear of death. If you were never going to die, you never would have to fear the fact that you're going to miss out, right? Because you got all the time in the world. But so it even rears its head there. Because it feels like in the face of loss that something ultimately bad is going to happen to us. That evil is going to overcome us. That it's going to get the best of us. And David just says, no, because God's up close. I am comforted. It doesn't mean that you're not, we are not going to experience loss because we are all going to experience loss. It's part of living in this world. But we can have comfort. And he says his, that God's rod and his staff, they comfort him. What's that mean? It means that he knows that God fights for him. He knows that God fights for him. Last, we see confidence in the face of opposition. Confidence in the face of opposition. See, this practically might be what's closest to you right now, is that you are, <clears throat> you are living off the approval of others. So when someone dis- disapproves of you, you are unraveled. You are unraveled. It bothers you. You're restless. You can't sleep. When people are, you know, your family are, are, you know, you might be with them at dinner and they're just kind of like, where are you? You're just kind of lost in your thoughts. And maybe, maybe someone's not even disapproving of you at all, but it's even just maybe the threat of someone disapproving with you sends you into this kind of this, you know, these chains of just, you're just locked into it and you're just, it, it just feels, uh, you're really bound up. You know, and, and having the disapproval of others is such a way to steal our confidence, isn't it? Such a way to steal our joy. Such a, and, and also, listen, living by, for the approval of others also means that we won't, as, um, uh, as Jesus' followers, confront some of the, the wrong systems and structures in society that are not set up for human flourishing. We're not going to actually engage some of those things because we're going to be afraid that uh, bad things are going to happen to us. And actually, what, what's interesting is of what, of what David says is that uh, he says, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And we feel like if I were to not have the approval of others, I won't have an abundance. I won't have an abundance. I will be lacking and so that's why the systems and structures of society often stay the way they are. That's why often uh, we as individuals unravel with those things. But he says, when, with God up close, with God up close, that he has an abundance even though he has enemies. And he says, I know because God has come close to me that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he doesn't even have confidence in the fact of his life, but he knows forever that he will be with the Lord up close. Well, how can he have such confidence? How can David have such confidence that he's going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that God's going to be up close, and then also in part in his life, he's experienced what it means to have God up close. 
Well, if you know the story about Jesus, is that Jesus came to fight God at a distance. He came with his rod and his staff to end the separation that we have between God and us. That the separation that, uh, that is constantly keeping God at a distance from us. He was the shepherd that came and fought that. But instead of Jesus experiencing rest, in order for him to fight the distance between God and us, he had to become unraveled the night before he was crucified. The anxiety he had about losing his relationship with his father uh, and dying on the cross, and what it basically means for Jesus to die on the cross was that God at that point was going to turn all his anger at sin onto Jesus. And it was such an unraveling experience for Jesus. The anxiety was so great that he sweat blood. I've had some panic attacks before. I've had some sleepless nights, but I've never sweat blood. See, Jesus was not led besides quiet waters. He had to face the storm of the anger of God towards sin for you. Jesus unraveled so that you could have rest. Jesus was not comforted in the face of death. He had to go to death for you. And his, he didn't get a table of abundance in front of his enemies His enemies triumphed over him. The God of the universe, who has existed from all time, with all power and all authority, laid his life down like a little lamb for the slaughter. And as his enemies gloated over him, he died. See, Jesus lost his relationship with the Father so that you could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the kind of God that would fight for you. That's why David, that's why we can be confident. If God would do that for us in the person of Jesus, we can be confident. We can be confident that God is, we can, we're going to dwell with God up close forever when we believe in him and in part that we can experience him now up close. Because that's what he wants for us. He did that for us. If you guys would grab your uh, connect card, we're going to take some bold next steps. And if you are hearing this today and your heart is saying, you know what? I do believe that I am created by God to be close to him. And I didn't know that before. And and what you said about Jesus, I believe that. I believe that Jesus died uh, for my sin and that he rose again and that you need to let Jesus be the leader of your life instead of you leading your own life. If that's true of you today, uh, check the checkbox A. That lets us know that you have become a Christian because you believe. So that would be your bold next step. And we're going we're gonna to follow up with you. Uh, uh, and we're going to send an email to you to follow up. But that is the most important decision of your life.
and it's a wonderful thing. Secondly, you might be say, you say, I do believe that, but I've never publicly come out and said that I believe. I've never been baptized. We just ask that you would take your bold next step to, to be baptized. And then the next letter C is uh, some of you need to know from the scriptures and you want to remind yourself from the scriptures of what it is uh, to experience God up close. And so your bold next step for is to memorize Psalm 23. Because again, this is a psalm of a person who's experiencing God up close. So this week, you're going you're gonna to memorize it. When you check that box, you say you're going to do that. And we're just going to remind you by sending you an email again. Bold next step D. If you here today are saying, you know, I, I think my life is reflecting God at a distance. And I want that to change. Then would you just, uh, on D here, is to ask Jesus in prayer that he would make himself real to you. Jesus is close to you. But you want to ask him that you would be consciously know his closeness in your life. And you'd ask him to show up. So, Again, step D is I will ask Jesus in prayer to make himself real to me. And there are some of you here today, and you just know that has been true of my life. God has been gracious to come up close, and I have been changed for the better. And, but maybe that memory has begun to drift a little bit. And maybe some of the, 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 you know, the problems that you're facing now are coming a little bit more real to you. And you need to remind yourself about a time when God, you experienced the closeness of Jesus. So step E will be to write down a time on your computer, in your journal, when you personally experienced the closeness of Jesus. To remind yourself that God wants to be up close and not at a distance. And we ask if you do this uh, step, uh, bold step E, we will send you an email and simply ask you to reply and share with us that experience uh, with the staff. This is also, guys, I, I can't tell you how important it is to a church, to the staff of your church, and just to the church at large, how important it is to know that God is acting in your life up close. And so would you uh, do that? For me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray over these men and women that they would be again knowing you up close. That in all the different situations that they find themselves in, that we find ourselves in, that you would become real to us. Lord, that our soul would know quiet waters that it would, our soul would know restoration, the soul would know that you are leading us in right paths, that our soul would be comforted in the face of loss. And finally, Lord, that we would have an abundance, even though at times we know we will be opposed. I pray that for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen.